0: This is Passing for Normal Conversations about Change. That means conversations about hope, innovation, transformation, courage, activism, and being on the cutting edge. I'm your host, Sharon Weil, and here I speak with fascinating, pioneering changemakers across many different fields. We talk about how to make change, meet change, and find the courage to create change in your life and in the larger world around you. Bringing new ideas into the mainstream, that's Passing for Normal. Hello and welcome to Passing for Normal with my guest today, health coach and patient advocate Corey Tolbert. Corey is an amazing woman who has transformed her own lifelong journey with a debilitating health condition into a life of thriving and sharing her well-earned perspective on how to empower the relationship of patient and treatment for greater well-being and outcome. Her organization, Booster Jots, seeks to inspire children who need medical care to be active participants in their healing journey through exercising choice in how they regard the medicines they receive. So welcome, Corey.
1: Thank you, Sharon. It's great to be here today.
0: I'm really excited to be speaking with you and learning more about how you work with uh, basically, changing our beliefs and how that expresses itself in the outcomes of our of our health and healing,
1: okay, so I felt like maybe I should give just a little bit of background around how I even came to this place. Um, so I was born with cystic fibrosis, diagnosed when I was about two months old. Uh, I was in and out of the hospital regularly for um, a couple of weeks at a time, usually a couple of times a year, starting at age 10. So I had lots of experience being in and out of the hospital. And by the time I was about 18 years old, I had really, I'd watched the cycles of care. I'd seen a number of my friends die. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had Seeing the cycles of care, the cycles of drugs that were used, um, and I really decided it was time to begin more of my journey towards more whole health. And I started looking at my own lifestyle and diet and mental, emotional, spiritual health, and um really understanding for myself first how that was how that could impact and how it could contribute to Um, a more full life, but also a healthier body. And um, I I believe I was probably about 22 or so when I started, one of the pieces I started looking at was some of the work of Masaru Emoto. And he was a Japanese scientist that um, looked at the effects of labeling and using music and projecting energy towards water crystals and showing that you could uh, influence the shape of the water crystals. And so to me, that said that you could actually start to change what was happening for the water crystals by the energy that was directed towards them. So I started to experiment with labeling myself. And so the first thing I did was I started labeling my water bottles. And then eventually that came to experimenting with using some makeup crayons or makeup pencils on my body. It was the only way I was using makeup pencils at that point. (laughs) But um, using them to write um, words on my body that felt life-giving. And then eventually, um, inevitably, I came into the hospital and um, I started experimenting with actually writing some words on the, the labels of the med bags. And I was noticing as I was doing this, at that point, I was writing uh, Love and Gratitude was kind of what was happening for me at that moment and what I wanted to draw into my treatments. And um, I really noticed that I sort of had a contradictory or conflicting relationship with my medications, especially the ones that were used in hospital. And part of this, again, was because I'd watched a number of you know, the, I've seen the cycles of treatment in my own body. I'd seen, you know, I'd witnessed my friends dying in some of these cycles, and I'd witnessed some of them um, becoming addicted to things like pain meds, things like that. And so, I noticed that um, i I was sort of I was starting to. Label the medications as bad and some of these cycles as bad, for lack of a better word. Um, They just, I had sort of a negative attitude towards some of what the medications did and some of what I saw. And I realized that that wasn't really serving me in terms of how I was receiving, how I was taking things in. And so, um, not only did I start labeling around. Um, what I wanted to call the medications, I started to really start to develop my own pause. And um, what I mean by that is before a treatment, whether the treatment was a manual treatment or an IV treatment or a breathing treatment, I would pause for at least two to five seconds before, and sometimes it was a minute or two, and I would drop into myself and really um, ask, you know, what is it? What do I need? What what does this body need right now? And I would label accordingly, but I would also intentionally receive that as the medication or as the treatment was happening for me with my body. And what I noticed from that was I was getting less side effects. I was having better overall outcome to the mm-hmm. treatment itself. Mm-hmm. I would actually start to look forward to um, having that time to discover what I needed and that in each unique moment throughout the day. I mean, I would get hooked up to things, you know, eight to 10 times a day. Um, and so it wasn't just, oh, that pain in the butt time. It was like, okay, I know that this is a time of checking in for myself. And I also noticed a shift in the caregivers, the nurses, the doctors that I was working with, because it really changed the environment of, the treatment itself. Mm-hmm. And so um, now part of what I do is I, I teach people how to do that, so how to consciously pause, how to really start to choose into um, taking the time to notice what they need and then incorporating that into their treatment. Um, and kids are, are uh, really great at this because I feel like they still have some of that Magic in them around accessing their imagination. So, I do this work um, particularly through booster dots with kids and work with uh, child life programs at hospitals for children. But this absolutely can be used for adults. Anybody of any age can do this, just tapping in, noticing what we need, and then intentionally receiving. And it really changes things. There's uh, this one piece is around just choice itself. So particularly when we're in the hospital, but any time we need a long term some long term medical care it's just sort of the nature of it. There's a lot of choice that's taken away in the name of treatment. There's a lot of surrender that needs to happen. And many ways, when we're in there, our body is not ours, our schedule is not ours. Mm-hmm. And it can really kind of lead to this mentality of victimization, which i've I've seen. Um, or, you know, with some guidance and consciousness, we can really use each treatment time as an opportunity. To really check in and actually bring ourselves, apply what's inside us to our care, and so it becomes almost—I would—I would, I would say—as important as the treatment itself is to really access what's inside us.
0: So let apply. me ask. So let me pause here because this is mm-hmm. this is fascinating and and so encouraging to hear this. Um, so, when you say you know going inside or checking in or asking yourself what you need, first of all, you know how does how do you do that and what are some of the answers that come for example when you you know when you take your pause and you ask yourself what do what do I need in this moment or before receiving this treatment
1: mm-hmm great question so um <clears throat> one of the things I encourage people to do is just stop. There's especially, again, especially in the hospital, but also in everyday life, there's lots of our mind is often cycling to the next thing, to the next thing, to the next thing. We're on a schedule. And so my first encouragement is just to, even if it's that two to five seconds, just to drop what you're holding, what you're thinking about, knowing you can pick it back up after if you need to, and just letting your Uh, your mind take a break and uh, noticing what's happening for your body first. So it might be just noticing the support beneath you. It might be noticing how your breath is moving your body. And um, if it's a child that I'm working with, I might say, okay, let's take a little break. We'll take a pause and let's just notice how your breath is moving now. Or let's just take a pause. And many times with kids, you can say, let's just drop inside. Let's bring our eyes down into our belly or bring our eyes down into our heart and see what's there. And you'd be amazed what pops up for kids. I mean, sometimes, um, well, okay, sorry, I'm moving ahead a little bit. So I say, um, just take that pause for a second and see what emerges from your own body being. And if there's nothing there yet, you can actually ask, What do I need right now? Or you can talk to the body, What do you need right now? And then wait. And many times when we, all it takes is an asking, and it could be something so silly. It could be ice cream, you know, it could be a smile, it could be a hug, it could be ease, it could be hope. Um, I had one young patient who was a teenager who I worked with who um, what she needed, what she said she needed was balls, and that was because she (laughs) felt like she needed courage to Uh interact with her caregivers at the time. Um, So it, it could be anything. It could be love. It could be health, wholeness, anything that emerges. And then um, one of the th- things I do with a booster jaws concept is I have them create a label for it. Um, but this could be done, you know, you could just, it could simply be, you know, a sharpie and a piece of paper that you stick to that medication. But whatever has emerged, let's say it's love, mm-hmm. I create a label and then I feel into that as I'm writing the label. I'm not just jotting down a quick note. I'm really, I'm feeling into the word love. And then I I would take it, let's see, say, if we have an IV hang bag, for instance, and I actually tape that label on the hang bag. So now that does a couple of things. That lets me actually see as the reminder what I needed. And actually, as the medication is dripping into my body, now I can choose to really see. I have that visual cue to remind me to see that it's actually love that's coming into my body. Mm-hmm. Because... We know energy affects matter. I mean, with the, the studies with quantum physics and some of, <clears throat> excuse me, the work with uh, Bruce Lipton, Biology of Belief, or Candace Pert, Molecules of Emotion, um, we're starting to really see that energy can affect matter. So by intentionally applying, sending that energy towards what we are bringing into our bodies... I believe that we can actually start to change. We can add our own body wisdom, our own inner being with them, to the medication or the treatment and, and choose to take that in as a part of the treatment, just as if it was medicine. This helps us with our ability to receive, but I believe it also changes the treatment. It changes the quality of the treatment itself.
0: Well, wow. so, so I'm just going to repeat it back. So you're saying not only does it change my own belief, <clears throat> which can have all kinds of effects um, <clears throat> of changed outcome as we know, but you're saying that it also literally affects the substance of the medicine that I'm receiving. Yes. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes. Yes. I absolutely believe it does, and even I mean, for years and years, we've looked at the placebo effect, and when they study it in, uh, you know, medical studies, it is often dismissed as, oh, well, that's the placebo effect; it's just, you know, mentally that wasn't really the medication working. But part of what I'm saying is, you know, it's it's really time we look at the placebo effect and the power of that. The power of what's actually happening when there can be physical changes, when people actually do better once they have that belief, that mental component on
0: board. You know, I I heard an interesting study on the radio not too long ago about placebo, and it was talking about a study. So, you know, usually the, the thing about placebos is that the control group you know i mean one of the groups doesn't know whether or not they've received a placebo and so the idea is that i believe i'm receiving the medicine and therefore it has the same effect on me or it has a beneficial effect this study was saying that people who were even told that they were receiving a placebo still had improved outcome which is amazing so there is this this idea that Anything I'm taking that, like you said, um, you said in your uh, website that uh, at the deepest level, choice aligns our inner life force with external treatment, that that there's an alignment that takes place. And it's I believe what you're talking about is that the place of that alignment, which is a point of healing.
1: Yes, yes, absolutely. And and one of the key pieces there, too, is that, again, there, there's a lot that happens in our, in our medical system. And there's, there's a lot of really wonderful things that happen there. But one of the things that sometimes I think is missed is... It's tapping into the wisdom of the patient themselves, and and having those built-in pause points to really check in, to ask, to stop the machine of the system, and just say, okay, let let's check in on our alignment here. Let's let's reorganize. Let's let's check in with the the body being that we are applying the treatment to and see what wisdom emerges. And it may change as the treatment goes along. You know, I'm not going to need the same thing at the beginning that I would need maybe towards the end of treatment. And this skill of checking in, you know, we have, there's an incredible opportunity when someone has an illness or a disease. So, you know, sometimes it's more obvious. Sometimes it's harder to understand why we, we, you know, we get sick or there's these things that come up in our lives whether it's you know, trauma or illness, disease, but it can always, always, always be an opportunity to check in. And in many cases, it's our bodies crying out for that. And especially with kids, this is a teaching opportunity. This is a, a time where we can actually teach them, if they don't know yet to this point, how to pause, how to check in, how to listen to their body with them, and then how to use their voices to state what that is and how to apply their own magic, their own imagination. And this is, to me, I, I just, I'm just i so passionate about this. I feel like this is invalu- an invaluable skill. I mean, this is, this is a life skill that then they can carry forward. And just having access to that inner voice, I mean, so many people don't even know that that's a resource just because we, we haven't been taught the value of it.
0: Right, so and, and we tend to be very uh, externally oriented. And, mm-hmm. you know, as children, you know, there's still, you know, often the idea that you're, you know, you need to be told and taught and told and taught and told and taught. And it's not as much about your own inner life or inner world or inner choices that you are able to make and then I mean that is the process of growing up and empowering when you're raising children is to keep teaching them to trust their own choices you know to access Mm -hmm. their own choices and trust their own choices and in here Mm -hmm. you know in this case in a medical situation there's a lot of consequence um, Mm -hmm. to those choices and certainly when people adults as well you know get a serious diagnosis you know it throws them into often into fear into unknown into scrambling and um and they must make choices right and Mm -hmm. and where Mm -hmm. and what are they relying on for those choices and i feel like this is the area that you're working in is to really empower people's choices and to bring it forward into like literally a label like, you know, yes. so everyone can see what I'm calling this.
1: I'm right. calling this yes.
0: medicine something different than its medical name on the on the bag, which could be scary to people, right? All these long yes. medical names. I don't even understand what it means. Somebody else understands, but I don't, right? To Absolutely. put it in my own words, yes. my own terms.
1: Yes. Absolutely. Absolutely. It helps it be accessible. It also uh, sort of gives a place for acknowledging the emotional needs Mm. of a child or Uh a patient, which is huge. It actually, it gives it space. And, you know, many times, sometimes people or caregivers, they don't actually know how to ask about what's going on for a child. And this, this is a tool that can allow them to start to have a place for it, to start to have a dialogue around it. And it can, you know, with kids, you can have fun around it. I mean, with adults, well, who am I kidding? With adults, you can have fun around it, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, is, is always good to sort of invite into an aspect of a treatment. Um, but really giving a place for um, the wisdom that's inside and also acknowledging those emotional needs And the piece that you you referred to about being scary, I mean, I know for me, so again, I was 10 years old the first time I had a longer-term hospitalization. So it was just over two weeks. And the first time I had an IV uh, and was actually hooked up to the iMed, which is the machine they use um, to put the medication in and to regulate the timing of it, I, to this day, I remember that experience. And I remember after the IV was placed, I mean, sure, there was the pain of that. But to me, as a child, what was more surreal was, you know, I looked at my hand, I saw the IV in it. And then I remember looking up at the IMED and the tubing and the tubing leading into my hand and looking at my hand again and looking at the tubing and looking at my hand again and looking at the tubing and just seeing that machinery coming into me and thinking to myself i must be in a movie i must be in a movie because this only happens in the movies and this was how i mean it was it was it was so scary at that point for me that i couldn't i couldn't quite own it yet as my own life that's the only thing i had to compare it to and so there was all this stuff externally going on but there was also a lot going on Internally, And there was just so much happening for, you know, the adults and the caregivers taking care of me that no one actually asked, you know, what, what might you need for comfort in this moment or what's going on inside? It's just there was too much else going on. Mm-hmm. And so um, when you can, anything you can do to help change the environment a little bit, to invite what that, child or patient or person might need into the treatment in a way where they can see it can be it just can it can make a difference absolutely
0: yeah so i want to talk about context a bit because what you're talking about is you know first of all making the making the internal feelings visible and also creating a different context in which this uh, medical treatment Uh, is taking place and you know we know that the context whether it's the environment or whether it's our thought forms really does either make room for change or constricts Mm -hmm. change Um, Mm -hmm. you know I talk a lot about this in, in my changeability work and you and I we haven't mentioned it yet but we are both Um, continuum teachers this very profound fluid movement practice that um, Mm -hmm. talks about the possibilities of what it is to be in this human biological form but in continuum we also pay such attention to context and so I feel like what you're saying and also you know what you're saying with the labeling it's like it's important what we call things right and I would say even a label creates a context or the word creates yes. a context. And what you're doing here is you're shifting the context for everyone involved, not just the child, the patient, or the adult, the patient, but also for the caregivers and for you know the doctors and nurses. So talk about context. Talk about what is your experience of what happens when that context
1: Shifts. Great. So yes, absolutely. Um, being able to bring in and name what is felt, what is needed, what would be comforting, what would be helpful, just naming that and giving it a place already starts to shift the context there. Um, it also, uh, naming it for the, uh, not only the Parents or the home partners, I call them sometimes, whoever is living at home who is um, the support system of the patient, this is something that they can start to do and allows them to start to be an active part of their care and encouragement from what's happening from the inside out. And that actually starts to um, lend itself to an environment of partnership, of Uh, team making, Mm -hmm. now it can be something where there's engagement in that family unit, and it also starts to change the context for the medical professionals in changing the tone of the environment, starting to really develop and acknowledge that partnership in the naming Um, of whatever it is in whatever way it needs to be named of the medication. So it starts to change the medication or the treatment as something that is done to a person, solely done to a person um, to a more collaborative environment um, that supports creation together really. It starts to be a more creative space versus uh, Dictator space if that makes sense right and, and oh, you're good.
0: yeah go ahead. i was just going to okay. say okay. that also you know the experiences of of uh, partnership and of being in community and working with also release uh, oxytocin you know the the hormones yes. of bonding the hormones of feel-good bonding so there's on a, on a uh, biochemical level, this is also shifting when we bring in this model that you're looking at.
1: Yes, absolutely. And the one piece, one other piece I wanted to name is, so sometimes I think something that can happen, and especially as, you know, the new age was born, this idea um, of, you know, think yourself well or think positive, and I that's something that... Um, because I just want to say this this is not necessarily mm-hmm. this is really more about collaboration this is about um creativity this is about pausing to check in I know there was a point in my own life where um you know I had that think yourself well experimenting with those kinds of things just think positive and And that sort of, that led to a situation of sort of Mm -hmm. self-flogging or, you know, depending on what's going on, it could be really something where I would shut down as a person and as a patient. And again, I've seen this working with other patients. And so this is not that. This is what do you need? And let's honor that and create that together and put our attention here together. So again, it's not... It's not telling anybody to do anything. It's more of an offering. And any time you switch from, uh, you know, dictating, telling somebody they should be doing something or not giving that space for choice, um, then you, you, just, you have a different environment than when you have that, let's, let's take everything into account. Yes, let's take the incredible power of these treatments, these possibilities, and let's take the incredible power of you as a being, and let's let's pull it all together into a delicious soup of possibility, and let's move forward with that. Right,
0: and given that, you know, sometimes um, the choices are not good choices. It's like, do I want to, you know, have the choice of this difficult treatment or that difficult treatment or this difficult treatment or no treatment? And so mm-hmm. it sounds like also that this is a way of... Um, coming to accept and making the choice for the choice. You know what I'm saying? Yes. It's like sometimes yes. it's like, Absolutely. I feel like, well, exactly. I don't really have, what choice do I have? Either I take this treatment or I'm going to die. But mm-hmm. but how am I going to choose to, to make this choice? And yes. it's like you say, it's not being done to me. I'm a full participant and there really is um, such benefit to, Participating with our choices, right?
1: Yes, yes. That is one thing I uh, I emphasize time and time again is this piece around choice that we always we always have some choice, no matter the situation. If it's nothing else, it's how we're going to meet what's in front of us and what we're going to bring to it. And yeah, that that is to me that's one of the essentials around being able to change, to be with, to meet, is to first recognize that you, you have a choice and find the places where you have a choice. It may seem like there's none, but we need to, as patients, as human beings, find those places.
0: Yeah. And and like you say, honor the emotions. And it's not just positive thinking. It's not overriding your fear. In order to think positively, it's recognizing your fear or recognizing yes. the challenge, right? It's that it's, yes, it's exactly. really saying this is absolutely part of it. It's not like we're going to look the other way or not acknowledge it. We're going to acknowledge it fully.
1: Yes, yes, we are. And we're going to see what inside of ourselves might emerge, what is there that could help support us. And we're going to intentionally bring that in. To our care. And part of what I'm also doing here too, there's sort of my undercover mission has also been not just working with the patients, but working with the medical professionals and doing some uh, teaching through child life, through some, some of the nursing staff to really... Uh, name the importance and teach value to the medical professionals also around what is energetically possible when we engage uh, when we engage the patient when we engage the body wisdom when we engage the imagination you know imagination is one of the our most amazing powers as a human being and you know why why would we not tap into that at this time so really. I'm teaching that, and my hope in, in teaching that to medical professionals is to really start to change what happens in our medical system and to start that acknowledgement And however small, you know, whatever small way to start that crack open that really starts to take up this possibility for people.
0: Excellent. And so where and how? Are you um, are you working with people? Where and I think this is a good place for you to say, you know, how can people be in touch with you? Um, what is the programs that you're offering, and um, and how do they find you?
1: So people can go to boosterjohns.com. Can you spell uh, that? Can you spell that out? Yes, yes, I can. B O O S T. E-R J O T S dot There is there's more information on that site specifically about the booster jots concept and the labeling aspect. And there's also a contact form on there if you'd like to be in touch with me. Um there's also opportunities to take action, whether that's buying a booster jots packet for someone that you would love to encourage getting started with this concept. And then, you know, I mean, they can always take it and run and create their own labels, but the booster dots packets can just be a nice way. It has some markers and labels and some starter ideas for people. Um, and there's also uh places on there where if you know of a hospital or a medical system that you think might be interested in learning more about this concept to work with their patients, there's a place under the uh, take action tab where you can uh, click on that and send some information in that way. Or there's also some donation possibilities. I deliver packages to, uh, to child life programs and hospitals, um, Right now, just in Rochester, but I'm also working on Rochester, New York. I'm also working on um, getting connected with hospitals here in Denver as well to start delivering some of those packages to kids here.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Well, um, it's been uh, such a um, an opening to me to have this discussion and to really understand more fully or get more curious about how you know how what what's what's really the operating system here in our lives and how <clears throat> excuse me and how our health um really can uh is affected what's it affected by and how it can thrive. So I thank you so much, Corey. Uh you are someone who has transformed your own life uh and is helping other people transform theirs and I thank you so much.
1: Well, thank you. Thank you, Sharon, for having me. I'd love the opportunity to share about this concept and I think if there's one thing that I could leave you with, it would be to say that just so much more is possible when we take the time to pause and notice and see what actually emerges from our own wisdom. So, so, yes, yeah, so thank you so much for for having me here today and for the work that you do in the world with your podcast and through Changeability. It's really remarkable. Thank you.
0: Thank you. This has been Passing for Normal, Conversations About Change. If you like our podcast, please leave a review on iTunes or SoundCloud. It helps our audience to grow. To find out more about author Sharon Weil, go to SharonWildAuthor.com. You can also find out more about the changeability books and about all the guests featured in this podcast at that website. Large or small, go out today and make a brave change. Dare to bring new ideas forward. Our world needs you right now.